Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello all. Welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. Today I will be talking to my guests about the harmful effects of the porn industry. And you know, in my preparation for the show, I pulled up some statistics. Every second, over $3,000 is spent on porn. Uh, Every second, over 28,000 internet users are viewing pornography. There are about 40 million Americans who are regular visitors of porn sites. And when it comes to women, One in three porn viewers are women. And, you know, the average age at which a child first sees porn online is just 11 years old. My guest today was at one time very much involved in the adult entertainment industry. She starred in numerous porn films, danced at strip clubs, as well as dabbled a bit in the escort business. It's been a bit over a year now, and she's quit the sex industry and speaks out on the drawbacks of pornography. She volunteers for a nonprofit called AntiPornography.org, whose mission is to educate the public about the harms of the sex industry. It is with much respect that I welcome Miss Vanessa Belmont to Don't Box Me In today. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, my pleasure, my pleasure. So, um, Vanessa, let me ask, from the ages of 18 to 25, you were involved with the industry. Uh, when exactly did you leave it? Well, I started stripping at 18, I started porn at 19, and I left it um, officially early this year, about March. Okay, early 2013. Yes. And um, if I can ask, uh, what caused the transition out of the industry? Well, I was depressed for years, for a really long time, and for a while I had a pattern of switching around, thinking that, okay, if I find the right pill, it will make me happy. If I drink enough, it'll make me happy. If I stop drinking and start smoking more weed, I'll be happy. You know, if I transfer out of porn and do webcam, I'll be happy. If I do escorting and so on. And finally, I realized that none of this is making me happy and the sex industry is just empty. And Mm -hmm. I basically had a mental breakdown earlier this year where I felt like I'm going to kill myself if I don't get out. And I had no money, um, really. I had mm-hmm. no other job prospects, but I just left because I I just I felt like my spirit was dying. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, that, that truly makes sense. Now I was reading your your site, and you mentioned that you were exposed to porn um, at a young age, and I think your bio said something like eleven years old, uh, and you stated that you became addicted to porn. Uh, how how does somebody so young become addicted to porn? Well, I started seeing it probably around eleven, twelve, thirteen. And at mm-hmm. first, it was something I watched with my friends because her stepdad had a ton of porn, and it was kind of just something we watched and laughed at, and I started to get really into it, and I wanted to watch more of it, mm-hmm. so I started looking it up online, and back then, it was a little bit different. It wasn't quite as prevalent and for free everywhere, but you could still see it, mm-hmm. and I just started watching it entirely too much, and unfortunately... My sexuality grew from watching porn, so I kind of, I mean, I did, I learned from it. That's where I learned to express myself sexually, and that's such an unhealthy thing to learn from, because there's no love or anything involved in porn, obviously. 
So your early teenage relationships were, you think, reflecting back just purely a sexual thing and not uh, what we, we fantasize about your early teenage first love, would you say? Absolutely. I didn't even have a first love because uh, I just slept around. The only thing I knew how to do was to sleep with men. I didn't know how to have a relationship. I didn't think I wanted one. I didn't mm-hmm. want to get close to anybody. I just slept with anyone that would sleep with me, unfortunately. Gotcha. How young were you when you became sexually active? I was 16, 16 or 17. Okay, okay. Um, And the films and the stripping, uh, can you tell me how you became involved with that in the first place? Well, I had really, really low self-esteem, and watching the porn throughout the years, watching things like the Howard Stern show, seeing um, porn stars like Jenna Jameson, I thought, those women have everything. They have men lusting over them. Wouldn't it be great to be this gorgeous woman on stage with all these men throwing money at you? And obviously that wasn't the reality. But Mm -hmm. I was 18, and I went to the strip club, and I started dancing. And then when I was 19, there was a feature dancer who was a porn star that shows up and does a special show. And Mm -hmm. she brought her assistant, and her assistant gave me a card for an agency, and I said, well, this is my chance to become a big star, (laughs) quote-unquote. Yeah, I know. And so I started from there. About a week after meeting up with the agent, I did my first movie. Wow. So when you, you said when you were 18, you went to the club and started stripping. So did anybody like introduce you to that or was that on your own self-motivated or? That was on my own because I thought being a stripper was going to be this amazing, amazing thing. Like not okay. just the money, but just the attention, the men drooling over me. I thought it was going to be like, I thought I was going to be some kind of goddess or something in these men's eyes. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. understand what I was getting into. into. So nobody in your circle was a stripper or anything like that? You just, it was no. just so random? Okay, okay. And um, I guess we hear, you know, in the talk of that in the that particular industry that the money is good in the sex industry, but does the porn star really have a long shelf life in this business? Oh, not at all. And I'm actually, I was... I don't know if I want to say lucky, but I guess I was somewhat lucky that I had a longer shelf life than most. Mm-hmm. Even after I quit, I still got offers for work, which I did not take. But okay. the money still wasn't worth it because if I got paid $1,000 for a boy-girl scene, well, that sounds like a lot of money for one day. But I did that boy-girl scene years ago, and now it's still on the Internet. They're still selling it over and over again. It's going to be out there until after I die, and I can never get rid of it for that $1,000 I made years ago. Yeah, there's a lifetime of consequences for one. Yeah, I can understand that. A thousand dollars, immediate gratification. So, um, you quit at 25, but this period before you quit, did you ever hold down a quote unquote traditional job? Did you ever have regular employment? I did from the time I was 15 to 18, and then after I started stripping, I thought, well, this is my path, and I'm going to make so much money, and why would I have a regular job? And mm-hmm. so I just, you know, jumped full throttle into it for the next seven years. Okay. So not to glamorize it or anything like that, um, in your prime, what kind of income were you bringing in? Um, it was really inconsistent. Some months I would make a lot of money, like thousands of dollars. I would get a lot of scenes, and this, you know, the club would be doing well, or I'd be doing well with webcamming. And then other months I'd barely make anything, and there'd mm-hmm. be no calls coming in, and no money from dancing, and it was very 
up and down. I mean, altogether, the money really wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. Like, gotcha. if I had gone to college and gotten a better job, maybe, I probably would have been making more money overall just because it would have been more consistent. And with mm-hmm. porn, now I'm shut out of so many jobs because I'm making all over the Internet. So it's... <sighs> Yeah, so even if you made $200,000 one year, it's not worth it. It's because that's not going to help you survive the next 60 years. Okay, okay. And you hear, I mean, um, put myself out here on a loop, but you do hear about certain porn stars that are, I guess, quote-unquote legends that are actually finding some sort of way to flip I guess they can't star in movies anyway, but they're they're trying to uh, flip their career into some sort of financial gain. Um, but that's really not the reality for the bulk of porn actors and actresses, correct? Yeah, that's so rare because I thought I was going to be one of those girls, mm-hmm. and it didn't turn out like that at all. And the thing is, a lot of girls, even if they have the potential to do that, the industry just wears down on you, like mind, body, soul, physically, mentally, all that, that even when you think oh, I'm going to be in for the rest of my life because that's what I thought. I thought I was going to be in until my 50s and have my own company. (laughs) Yeah, but I burned out so much that the money didn't even matter. Even if I could make a lot of money, it just didn't matter. Okay. And, you know, most of the time when young people are making these types of lifelong decisions in life, there's somebody around there to kind of give them influence or guidance. Can I ask, uh, where, where were your parents at during all this time? Um, my parents were really great, but I was their first child. Unfortunately, they weren't very strict on me. They didn't give me a whole lot of guidance or rules. They just kind of mm-hmm. let me do what I wanted to do, and that was not a good move. But they were obviously really disappointed when they found out that I was doing porn because I told them the second I started doing it. And now that you've come out of it, you've transitioned out of it, um, you know, the, the Internet is so uh, prevalent in today's life, especially for young kids. How would you tell parents to monitor the the um, their kids' online use and probably access to porn? I would say in addition to putting up blocks and things like that, also you just got to have that uncomfortable conversation and you have to have it consistently with them, not just about basic sex, here's how babies are made, but about the effects of casual sex, why it's not good to have it. Not just tell them, well, wait until you're married or be abstinent, but explain to them why it's a good idea not to have sex early. Explain self-respect, modesty. These are just things I wish somebody would have explained to me more because the only real talk I got was just don't do it. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, since you started having sex at an early age, uh, did you suffer any consequences before you quit pregnancy, maybe, or any other drawbacks that, that come along with sex? No, I never got pregnant, but in the porn industry, I did get um, quite a few STDs, as is really common in porn. Mm-hmm. In my first scene, I actually got chlamydia, mm-hmm. and I remember I freaked out, and I thought, you know, maybe I should quit, oh my gosh, but my agent and... The girls in the agency were all just like, it's no big deal. Everybody gets it. You just take one pill and it goes away. So I felt like all these people that I admire are telling me it's no big deal. Like, I guess it's no big deal. Wow. So I guess that's a myth then that because you hear in the reports that, you know, oh, the sex industry is such a safe thing. You know, they're all tested once a year. But I guess what I'm hearing from you is that's that's not true. 
Oh, it's such a myth. The testing system, all it does is just tell you that you have something. And people mm-hmm. only test once a month. So if a guy and a girl go in to get tested and they film a few scenes in between and they film a scene together, the guy might have contracted something or the woman might have contracted something, but their test is still clean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got you. And people, I mean, because there's so many actors and actors, actresses in the industry, people are willing to put their health on the risk for, I mean, what what is a top dollar payment for a movie or a film? It really varies. I know there are some women that get a whole lot of money, like $5,000. That's really rare. The average Mm -hmm. payment would be, mm, they've gotten pretty low, but the average payment I've seen has been between $5,000 to $1,000 for a regular boy-girl sex scene. And for Mm. anal, it's like around $1,200, $1,500. That still seems like such a small fee to put your health, your life on the line for. Wow. Yeah, it really is. It seems like a lot. It seemed like a lot to me at the time, but it obviously wasn't worth it at all. So were you managing to maintain, uh, you know, like a life's up, pay rent and pay your utilities or something? Or were you really financially struggling during all of this time? I was doing fairly well financially. I was mostly stable with the exception of a few bad months, but I never was making like crazy amounts of money. I was never rich or anything. And every porn star I knew was either broke almost all the time or they were just doing okay. Like there weren't really many that were making a whole lot of money. Okay, Vanessa, we're going to take a quick break right now. And when I come back, I want to talk to you about uh, some of the bad experiences you had uh, while involved in the sex industry. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Miss Vanessa Belmont, um, and now I want to talk about some of the experiences that you had while you were involved with the sex industry. You tell a story on your um, on the website, antipornography.org, uh, that one time somebody offered you $100 just to hang out with a man, and they said that there was no sex involved, uh, but something else happened. Can you share with us what happened that time? Yes. I was in a pretty bad financial state because um, the porn work was slowing down at that time because, like I said, it was up and down, and the club that I worked at had just gotten closed. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls I worked with said, Oh, I know this guy. You get to hang out with him, and you get a hundred dollars, and it's only two hours, so fifty dollars an hour just to hang out and have some beers with this guy, and maybe go in the jacuzzi. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be with a friend. It's going to be safe. You know what could happen. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I made the mistake of letting the guy open up the beers and pour his drinks because my friend had been there a few times before, and she trusted him. I didn't see a reason not to. And mm-hmm. apparently he put something in our drinks. I believe it was some kind of roofie or something. And she mm-hmm. passed out. And I don't, I'm not totally clear on what happened, but I do know that he raped me in the next room and did not use a condom. And the mm. next day I woke up and I was really confused and it was just a really awful experience. Did you report the matter? I didn't because I thought nobody would listen to me. I thought the police would just say, 
well, you're a hooker anyway, and you shouldn't have gone to that guy's house. So I just thought, what's the point? And now, obviously, I wish I had reported him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that, is that a common occurrence in the, uh, quote-unquote, I guess, escort uh, business, these types of experiences? Yeah, I heard about it all the time. I knew one girl that a guy locked um, her. She was a topless maid. She wasn't even supposed to be having sex with him, but he locked her in his house and raped her. I knew another girl, a similar thing happened to her. These things happen all the time because rapists know they can target a sex worker because they're probably not going to go report them because they have the same feelings I did, where they feel like no one's going to believe them anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it seems like a very dangerous profession. Are, do, are there any protections that you have? I mean, especially as a female, um, walking into these situations, escort situations with various men that you might not know who they are or what they're about. I mean, it just seems like a design set up to fail from the beginning. It is very dangerous, and um, a lot of girls will try to get a pimp or they'll have a driver, but that person can't do a whole lot, and in the pimp's case, they probably won't do a whole lot because obviously a pimp doesn't care about the woman. Mm-hmm. But a driver or a bodyguard can't do a whole lot if they're just out there waiting and the girl is locked in the man's house. Mm-hmm. So there's really not much protection at all. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have anybody looking out for you, or you were always on your own? No, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, porn also took you down some other dangerous pathways, uh, one of which was drugs. Uh, at what time or what point in your involvement in the sex industry did drugs come into play? I did drugs before the sex industry. Okay. And once I got into it, I actually wasn't really doing any drugs except for occasional drinking and smoking. But once mm-hmm. I started stripping, I found that I had to drink a lot more. And it was really common. Every stripper I knew did some kind of drug or drank too much because it was just impossible for 99% of the girls to get out there and strip and not be on something. And mm-hmm. I started taking painkillers when I started doing anal scenes because a lot of women told me, well, you know, anal is the way you make money. That's how you're going to get your name out there. And it's no big deal. You just take a Percocet or a Vicodin, and it doesn't hurt that badly. So I started taking a lot of those. Wow. So it is really an illusion because you see uh, or you talk to people um, in the industry or whatever. You might see the movies, and it's like everybody's having this wonderful time. But from what I'm hearing from you, there's a lot of pain underneath all of that, emotional and physical Yeah, I would say just about every woman and even the majority of the men I met in the sex industry all had serious problems. They had major abusive pasts, drug problems, just personal issues in general. And they all do the same thing in interviews and all that because you're not going to tell the fans, well, that was such a terrible anal scene, I was in pain, I took a bunch of Percocet. You're going to say, no, I had a great time and I'm in this industry because I just love sex. Oh, my gosh, you know. Mm -hmm, Yeah, I mean, but, 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 you know, that is the, that is the bag of lies that you guys are selling that, you know, sex is just so wonderful and we're so carefree about it and we do what we want to and we're so empowered, but that's, that's not the truth of the matter. No, it's a total lie. And of course, no porn star is really going to sit there and tell her fans the truth about her life. Just like no stripper is going to do that either. 
When mm-hmm. I worked at the club, I would have customers tell me about one friend in particular who went by Mercedes. They would say, oh, Mercedes is so nice. She really loves her job. You can tell that she's just so into it. She's so much fun. And they didn't know that this girl had an insanely abusive past. She watched her dad kill her mom in front of her when she was mm-hmm. 11. Yeah, and she did a whole bunch of coke. And I would just look at them and be like, yeah, she's so much fun. It's like, do you have any <laughs> idea how much coke she just did? They didn't Say, know. If you- if you only knew, if you only knew. Wow. And at some point, too, in uh, your time in the uh, sex industry, you had a lesbian relationship. And from what I'm reading, that's not something that is, is you per se, Vanessa. So how did that come about? What What was the motivation for that? Well, it got to the point where it was actually really sad because I had always liked hanging out with men. I always had more in common with them than women. But the deeper I got in the sex industry, the more I started to develop this hate for men. Because mm-hmm. the only men I was exposed to were pimps or johns or strip club customers. They were all like the worst kind of men. or the Not the worst kind of men, but they were men in their worst state. Mm-hmm. So I started to look at men as just, oh, I was like, well, I don't want to date a man because mm-hmm. they're all so horrible. I don't want to go home to a man. So I decided, <laughs> okay, I'm going to be a lesbian now. And <laughs> I started dating a girl that I worked with. But yeah, I was never really a lesbian. I was just so sick of men, but I still wanted some kind of companion that could understand what I was going through. Mm-hmm. So was she, was she involved with the industry as well? Yeah, she did porn and she also stripped and she got into a little bit of escorting later. Okay, so I I'm, I'm guess it's safe to assume that you guys were just basically a life raft for each other at that particular time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how long did that relationship last? About a year. We remained friends for a couple of years after that. Okay. Okay. Um, Did it stop just because you just said, hey, this is not who I am or? It just kind of gradually faded out. There wasn't really a dramatic breakup or anything. I think we both just kind of realized Mm -hmm. that we were more friends than anything and that we were trying to make a relationship where there wasn't one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got you. And you mentioned earlier that different types of porn, I guess there's a different pay rate for the different types. Is this the time in your life when you started participating in lesbian porn? Or was it before that? I shot lesbian porn um, the second I got in. I shot pretty much every kind of porn from the second I got in because I was going to just start with softcore and nude modeling and I thought I would build up. But my agent had other ideas and told me, you're not going to make any money, you're not going to work if you don't at least do boy-girl and at least do maybe two guys, threesomes, all this stuff. So I said yes to everything because I felt like if I said no, he wouldn't take me on and I would lose my big shot at stardom, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so just just for the audience who might not understand, what is softcore porn? Um, basically like nude modeling, you know, like just the naked pictures. Or maybe mm-hmm. playing with toys, like solo masturbation. Okay, okay. And so then that's a lower pay scale than actually having sex scenes in a, in a, a movie, a film. Yeah, and the way the industry is now, it's so hardcore that you're pretty much expected to start doing things like anal and all that right away. 
right away. And are there any like regulations or laws? I mean, you have to be, I'm assuming, 18 to start in the industry. Is that pretty much enforced or not? As far as I saw in the porn industry, it was enforced because you have to sign forms. You have to present two forms of ID. So I didn't really see any underage stuff going on in porn. But as far as stripping, I knew in a few of the small clubs, the ones that weren't the big chain clubs, the mm-hmm. managers would sometimes hire girls that were 16, 15, 17. Wow. And with escorting, wow. the girls are just all ages. I knew a pimp that had a 14-year-old girl you know, wow. out there. So. Wow. Amazing. Um, so you mentioned you never yourself had a, a pimp. No, thank God. <laughs> so the only person you have pushing you to, to go out there is this agent that you had. Yeah, just the porn agencies. Okay, okay. And um, so somewhere along the way, and I, we're not we're going to talk about this um, briefly, uh, you met your late boyfriend, and I know there's some parameters that we can or cannot discuss. Um, you met Marlon, correct? Yes, I actually met him on a set. Okay, okay. And um, you know what, I'm looking at the time here. And I think we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, then I'm going to open up and start talking about what we can talk about with Marlon. Stay tuned. I'm going to be back with Vanessa right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, I am back with Vanessa Belmont, and we've been talking about her younger years that she uh, was involved with the sex industry. And Vanessa, before the break, we had uh, started to open up conversation about your late boyfriend, uh, Marlon, and uh, you said you met him on a set of a movie? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't okay. um, the traditional way to meet, but yeah. <laughs> okay. And how did how did that meeting happen? Well, actually, um, I was shooting with a couple of other guys and him, and I just really liked the vibe he gave off. He was incredibly respectful. He didn't try to bother me off the set or grab me off the set or anything like that. He just seemed like he was there just to do his job, so to speak. And mm-hmm. And he was he was just incredibly respectful, and there was something about him that when I took his business card, I was like, you know what, I'm going to call him and ask him out. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, he was respectful and didn't try to grab you off the scene. Is that common between actors and actresses, like at, even offset, they're very physical? It's common with the guys, yeah. The guys, there are some decent, semi-respectful ones, but for the most part, they treat women like objects, which is to be expected when they've been in the business, many of them, for 10, 15 years. They just look mm-hmm. at women as a toy. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think that, you know, this is my job day after day, that, you know, like I wouldn't, be, oh, okay, it's just another woman. There wouldn't be that aggressive sort of sexual thing that uh, they were exhibiting there. But I guess, you know, it is what it is, huh? Um, so when you met Marlon and he was respectful, you called him and asked him out, and he said yes? Yeah. Okay. So you guys dated for a while? Uh, before you, you guys lived together, right? Yeah, we lived together for the last year of our relationship, and we were together for four years. 
Now, my question is, I mean, you're involved in the sex industry. He's involved in the sex industry. It, it comes to the table with certain complications. Is it easy for two people in this industry to have a healthy, thriving relationship? No, it's really rare to see porn star relationships last nearly as long as ours last. Most of them last a few months. Because even when you're both in the industry, you would think, oh, they understand each other. It's just work. But it's just not like that, especially when you start to fall in love with somebody. It Mm -hmm. makes it really hard. And me and Marlon just generally tried to not talk about the elephant in the room when we were together. If I came home from a set or heated, we just didn't talk about it. Okay. Okay. So um, did you guys have any difficulties in your relationship or was it just always smooth sailing? We did definitely have some difficulties just from I was very unhappy. I was Mm -hmm. drinking too much, especially towards the end of our relationship. I was drinking a lot and I was just kind of starting to unravel and lose it because Mm -hmm. I started to realize that, you know, this is what I've done with my life is have sex for money. And it made it really hard to be with me because I really just hated myself. Mm -hmm. But, um, he stuck it in there with you. What do you think it is that he saw in you that said, you know, this girl is worth my effort? To be honest, I don't know because I was just really difficult, but he was an extremely patient and loving man, and he was always there for me. He was there even when I was yelling at him for no reason or taking too many drugs or flipping out or just mm-hmm. in general being incredibly difficult. Okay. And that first time, is that the only time that the two of you worked together? No, we worked when together you... on webcam shows. Okay. And we did a couple of other scenes together. Okay. And was this after you guys were already dating that you did the second ser- the the future movies? Yeah. Okay. So was it difficult now that you guys are in a relationship to now have this sex scene on camera because now this is your actual personal intimate life with your man that you're having feelings for. Um, as strange as this sounds, it was actually much more difficult on my end to have sex in our personal life at first. Mm-hmm. Like I almost felt like I had to get drunk to have sex with him without any camera or anything around because the only sex I'd had prior was with John's or with one night stands. It was always with men I didn't care about or it was a performance. And I didn't know how to have regular, intimate sex with someone I loved, and it scared me, and I, it was just extremely awkward and terrifying for me for a while, and he kind of had to... I just had to learn how to have sex with somebody I actually cared about. So would you say Marlon was the first person you had sex with that you had feelings for? Absolutely. I mean, the first man I had sex with that I had feelings for, yes. So you're what, maybe like 22, and you actually have your first love experience with a man. 22, yeah, 23, was, maybe? Yeah, he was my first boyfriend. My, he was my first real date. <laughs> so, yeah, he was my first everything as far as the love thing went, because before then it was all just sex or sex for money. So you mentioned he was your first date. Can you remember where he took you to for your first date? Oh, gosh, that was a really terrible first date. I don't know why he called me back <laughs> because, um, yeah, he brought over a bottle of rum, and I think he only meant for me to have one shot, and I actually took the whole bottle and drank most of it mm-hmm. without, you know, any regard for him. And then we had sex <laughs> just because I felt like, you know, there's no reason to hold off on this. You know, we've already done it on set. 
And then mm-hmm. I was already drunk at that point. I, he wanted to go to a restaurant, but I said I wanted to go to McDonald's. So he was like, all right then, and he took me there. And then we went to a movie, and I fell asleep. Like, I passed out on his shoulder about 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> and I woke up towards the end of the movie, and for some reason he continued to date me after that. He never told you why? No, I guess I guess he just saw something in me. Maybe he saw something behind the the trashy Alexa Cruz mm-hmm. shell I was in. And we haven't mentioned that yet. That that was your stage name? Yes. Okay. Okay. So he he stuck with you and he took you on a second date after that? Yeah, and um throughout our relationship he just kind of got me to be Vanessa again in front of him and not be Alexa because at that point I'd almost just turn into Alexa and I didn't even want to be Vanessa anymore. A lot okay. of people in the industry tend to do that. They become their character. Okay. So when you guys were together, was there either was there ever talk between the two of you of leaving the sex industry? Yeah, especially in the last year of our relationship. He was completely done. He wanted to get out of it. He wanted to move somewhere cheaper, which I did too, to Nevada and wanted to get a job there and maybe see if he could put me through some kind of school or mm-hmm. trade school or something. And I was completely burned out at that point, and I didn't know what else to do with my life, but I felt like with him by my side, maybe I could do something else. Got you. Got you. So when somebody comes out of the sex industry, uh, what what options do they have? What, what did you foresee yourself doing or becoming? Oh, I had no idea. I stayed in for so long because I felt like, who's going to hire me? You know, I have naked pictures all over the Internet. I don't have an education. It was hard, and I just felt like I, my self-esteem was so, you know, dead by then. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I couldn't do anything else. I felt like all I was was just a body to sell, and I didn't really have any other skills or worth. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering... Just curious, wouldn't it be something easy to kind of like hide from potential employers? Because like we mentioned, you did have the name, the 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 star name, Alexa Cruz. So if you're on a job application and it says Vanessa Belmont, I mean, may, well, I guess maybe if somebody's like, hey, I saw your movie, maybe. But is it really so, uh, are you really so blacklisted by the films, is it really difficult for you to find a job and move on with your life after doing yeah. porn? Yeah. yeah. People make them the mistake because they think that if you have your real name separate from your stage name, you'll never get found out, but that's not how it works because when you Googled my real name, all my porn came up because with the advent of the Internet, you can find out every porn star's real name and they're almost all out there, especially if you've been in the business for a while. So wow. I had no chance. My real name... You Google, and the first thing that came up was a bunch of Alexa Cruz stuff. Wow. Wow. So how do you deal with that now that you've moved on? I mean, is it, um, I mean, because I'm pretty sure you don't want people judging you for who you were, and you want people to see you for who you are now. Um, Is that really difficult, something you struggle with in life right now? Yeah, it's hard because I can't hide from it, and every time anyone looks at me, in any kind of way on the street, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what have they seen me do? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I always have that thought in the back of my head. Every time I meet somebody, I'm always like, have they seen me online? Have they heard something? You know, it's it's just like it's like a virus that follows me around for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Okay. 
and have you dated again since Marlon? No, um, I wasn't ready, obviously, for a year after he passed, and I just wasn't in a, the mind space to do it. But now that I might be open to dating, I honestly can't imagine who would want to date me after all the people I've slept with, everything I've done. It's a lot to ask of someone mm-hmm. to date someone like me. So there's still a lot of weight you're carrying with... Um who you are, who you were yesterday, um, you don't feel like somebody will say, okay, well, this Vanessa is a different Vanessa and and accept that and go with that? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, could, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, for now it seems like, you know, most people, I mean, they're not going to want to date someone that was in porn, and I can't totally blame them. Okay, okay. What do you think was the biggest factor that helped you move away from porn? What what got you through that moment? Because I'm pretty sure there was times where, you know, money might have not been right or old habits just kind of slipped back into place. How did, how did you stay focused and away from porn? There were a couple of factors. It was um, partially just knowing that I mentally could not take it. And when I was realizing how much I was drinking just to get on webcam, I was like, there's something really wrong here, how many mm-hmm. pictures I was taking. There was that. There was also when I contacted antipornography.org, I just sent her a little few paragraph story warning women about porn. I thought she would just put it up on the site and be like, oh, thanks, and we wouldn't talk. <laughs> but she ended up calling me, and um, I've been talking to her regularly, and she's really been a rock behind me, helping me stay out of porn and you know, encouraging me to be Vanessa again. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and you mentioned... You know, it was uh, you found yourself having to uh, drink more or take uh, certain drugs just to do the webcam. Uh, explain to the audience, I guess, maybe what's involved with webcam pornography. Well, a webcam is basically like an online strip club. Like mm-hmm. there's a free chat room and a sexy outfit, and the guys you try to convince them to take you to a private room to make money, and the guys basically just will bark orders at you and sometimes say really disturbing things, especially because they're online. It's worse than the strip club. I had guys tell me some really disgusting fantasies that I wish I could forget Mm. and, you know, just say things about me. I had guys that were somewhat online stalking me. I had one that used to email me 10 times a day sometimes in all Mm. capital letters saying, I need you if I didn't sign online. Mm. Ugh. Wow. It was hard to interact with them, so I ended up. I did drink a lot. I took a lot of painkillers. Wow, and and there's there's pay in doing webcam. Yeah, I actually did fairly well financially doing webcam, but it got to the point where I was like, I don't care if I make ten thousand a month doing this. It doesn't matter how high the money gets. I just I just couldn't do it because um, I was drinking and taking pills and thinking that if I drank enough and took enough pills, maybe I would get liver cancer early and I would just die. So I wasn't mm-hmm. outright committing suicide, but I was kind of setting the stage for an early death because I just didn't want to be here anymore. So while you're doing all of these uh, different things in the sex industry, you were actually saying to yourself, you just wish you would die? Yeah, throughout the last year, I just it was kind of, a, I guess, a plan, <laughs> mm-hmm. lack of better ways to put it, and I just started drinking more. I started drinking an entire box of wine a day, which is equal to about six bottles, mm. and taking pills whenever I could get them. And I just figured, you know, if I drink enough, I'll get liver cancer or some kind of, you know, liver disease, and I'll die before I'm 30, hopefully. 
That's not a good thing to hope for, Vanessa. Not at you got, all. You've got so much more to offer the world than that. Um, we're going to take our last break of the day, and when I come back, I want to talk uh, about your involvement with antipornography.org. Uh, but uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. I am back. I have been uh, talking with Vanessa Belmont today, and I want to uh, talk about the wonderful things you're doing with antipornography.org. And on your uh, position statement on that site, it says that you are for anti-banning of porn and anti-legalization of uh, prostitution. What exactly does that mean for you? Right. What I mean by anti-banning is I don't feel like banning porn does anything to solve it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like what we need to do and what the organization does is we educate, we get through to the porn fans and tell them this is the reality of porn and this is why maybe you shouldn't watch it. And I think mm-hmm. it's so much more effective to educate people than to tell them, you're a bad person, stop watching porn, let's ban this. Because okay. you can ban things all you want, and that's not really going to get to the root of the problem. It's still going to be there. So tell me, why do you think people shouldn't watch porn? Gosh, there's so many reasons. Well, first of all, the industry is bad for everyone in it. The people are extremely <laughs> damaged. It's, it's an industry that attracts really sick people, and it just makes them sicker. I've mm-hmm. seen ruined so many lives. I've seen so many women and men that are just lost and damaged and have no self-worth. It's full of STDs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really horrible thing to support. And on top of it, as a consumer, it's not good to consume either. It warps your sexuality. It makes you see people in a different way, even if you don't consciously realize it. It's mm-hmm. bad for relationships. It's bad as far as making connections. I knew so many webcam customers that were so stuck on webcam girls. They could mm-hmm. go out and talk to a regular girl and have a real relationship that would actually satisfy them. They were all stuck on porn and webcam. Wow. So even in, um, and I don't even know if you can speak on it, but even like in a committed relationship, like you were, um, let, let's say you and Marlon had not been involved in the sex industry and you were just your traditional type couple, you you would think it wouldn't be he- healthy for either two of you just as a couple thing to consume porn at home in the confines of your own home? No, because porn is so fake. It's not real sex. It's, it's sex without love. It's sex without meaning. And a couple shouldn't be watching that. Sex when you're with someone you love shouldn't be about the way, you know, porn sex is. And especially with how it's gotten these days, it's turned into a freak show where they're just trying to see what they can do to the girl next how much they can Mm -hmm. lose the woman. And that's not the kind of thing you should be watching in a relationship. Okay. So I guess you're saying the point industry kind of desensitizes the whole uh, intimacy of sex when people should really be trying to be more intimate and connected to the people that they're having these sexual relationships with, if if that's what I can hear? Absolutely. Gotcha. So um, when you do your work with antipornography.org, you you talk to young women who might be contemplating getting involved in the porn industry. What what advice do you give them? 
I would tell them to really, really think about it and think about the effect you're going to have on your life and the long-term consequences. You know, read some of my stories on the page and see how much I regret it. And you're worth so much more. And it's so hard, you know, to explain to someone that has low self-worth that they can do better and that their body is worth more than selling it for a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a big the reality, basically. Gotcha. And, you know, and that's that's part of the problem. If you're talking to somebody who has low self-worth, you know, when you're talking to these young girls, is it you find it difficult to because now you have to mentor them and say, you know, you are worth more. Is it really hard to change somebody's mind who already feels bad about themselves? It can be. But I think in some cases, all the woman really needs to hear is that someone cares and that, hey, you are worth more. And mm-hmm. even if you've been through a tough childhood or abusive boyfriend, you you can do better. You don't need to go sell yourself. You can do so much more with your life and have so much more meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Vanessa, if Jane Doe, um, you know, is watching webcam four times a day and uh, turning on porn on the, on the DVD three times a day, is there help out there for this person who thinks they might have a problem? Uh, an addiction to porn? Absolutely. On antipornography.org, if you go to the porn addiction section, there's a bunch of resources for both men and women. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of help out there. There's forums, there's support groups, there's text groups where you can find a buddy and hold yourself accountable with them. Okay. And there's a lot of help out there, and I definitely would suggest getting it. Cool. Cool. So what are the types of things do you do, um, volunteer with, with antipornography.org? Well, right now it's mostly just education. We're working on YouTube videos with me mm-hmm. talking about my experiences. We're also going to have um, another porn or ex-porn star on talking about her own experiences in the industry. We have a couple of men that are former porn addicts that are going to be talking about how it affected their lives and their relationships. And we're just trying to get the word out there and counter society's message that sex is no big deal and you should just do it with anybody. Mm-hmm. And just make people think about what they're watching. Now, I'm curious, have you suffered any backlash from your former um, co-workers, I should say, in the porn industry now that you're speaking out against it? Not a backlash, but they all basically just stopped talking to me. All the friends I thought I had in the sex industry, once I stopped doing drugs and I said, I think I'm going to try to get my life together, they all dropped me. And it wasn't like I told them, oh, you need to get out or you're a bad person, but they just weren't interested in being around me when I wasn't doing drugs and making money in porn and all that. They were just Mm -hmm. drug friends, essentially. So besides antipornography.org, what does Vanessa do with herself now these days? Well, I finally got hired at a department store. Thanks again to antipornography.org. The head of the organization wrote me a wonderful recommendation letter. So I've been working my regular job and trying to learn how to be Vanessa again and not Alexa Cruz. Okay. And who is Vanessa? You know, I'm still finding that out, but I like Vanessa a lot more than Alexa Cruz. Um, Vanessa is <laughs> modest. Vanessa cares about her body. Vanessa mm-hmm. doesn't get STDs every month, so, <laughs> so gotcha. it's been a lot of fun being Vanessa. Cool, cool. So um, I think I read, too, that um, in, in regard, not only the YouTube videos, there might be some sort of maybe a documentary or something about your 
what's happened to you in your life and your transition. Did I read that? Yes, I just filmed for a British documentary for Renegade Films. They're doing a um, documentary on pornography in general, and they're having three porn fans basically learn all about the industry. And I got to speak to the porn fans yesterday, and it was a really wonderful experience. Okay, okay. So we can look for this movie when? In September. It's airing in the U.K., and um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to air it on our YouTube channel yet, but if we do, it'll be up there about September, November. September, November. Okay. Now, um, as we begin to wrap up here, uh, Vanessa, I want to ask you, so what's, what's your plan? What, where, are you, where are you going from here? I'm hoping just to work, keep working with antipornography.org and get the word out there with the YouTube videos, um, get on more radio shows, and hopefully go back to school soon, too, and just do something real and meaningful with my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. What What are you hoping? To, what's on your mind to go to back to school for? Um, I'm thinking about maybe trying like library sciences, becoming a librarian in the future. But okay. right now, I'm more just open to getting my two year degree and just going from there. Okay. Okay. Wish you uh, a lot of success with that. You You seem to be making a full come around there. And uh, listening to your story, I can assume that that's not easy. I mean, with the the stigma that you're carrying around with you on a day basis. And it's, it's wonderful that you got a job and, you know, another means to provide for yourself. Cause I think that would probably be the biggest hurdle is, you know, I need some money. So I have to fall back on what I know how to do to make some money. So, you know, I think that was a big part of the battle there is finding some employment. And, uh, so now I think any opportunity is open for you now. And I hope you run with it, dear. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Well, we are at the end of the show. As usual, I have been uh, speaking with Vanessa Belmont, and I want everybody to uh, be aware that her name is Vanessa Belmont, nothing other than that. To keep up with the wonderful work she's been doing, please, please, please visit antipornography.org. Vanessa, I appreciate you so much for sharing your story with me and my audience today. I wish you all the best and that life gives you much peace and many, many blessings. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem, dear. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and you can visit my website at lanareed.com. Visit my Facebook or Twitter, Lana Reed. Until next time, I look forward to connecting with you.